Calvin Taloki has fascinated me for years. He's been named a top influencer in hospitality, the mastermind behind the Instagram comedy account Rev Parblums, which is followed by tens of thousands of people who enjoy the memes and hilarious videos he creates that often go viral. But that's just one side of his life. He's also an experienced revenue leader for hospitality companies in major markets like New York. And he recently just co-founded a new strategic advisory firm, Lighthouse. In this episode, you'll learn about the challenge he saw that led him to starting this company and some eye-opening insights around what might be holding your company back from providing the innovative hospitality it could be. This is Hospitality Daily, the show that helps you stay informed and inspired each day by the most interesting people in hospitality. My name is Josiah McKenzie, and my goal is to help you reconnect with why you work in this industry and get fired up to go out there, delight others, and reach your goals. Let's get started. I wonder if we could talk a little bit about why you launched Lighthouse. I'm curious what challenges in the market or opportunities mm-hmm. you saw that made you say, I want to open my own business. Yeah. Well, it all started with Lighthouse specifically started with my business partner and I just having conversations. You know, we've someone I've known for a long time and we just hang out socially and he's an investment banker. So his background is all in that in that space of, you know, raising capital and uh, for different projects. And he mentioned it to me like a year ago and just said, hey, you know, I have some people that are looking to get into hotels. Maybe you and I can partner on it. And at that point, I was busy launching the other part of my business, the social media agency. But once I got a little bit more on my feet, it was like, okay, hold on. Maybe let's, I saw how we could incorporate it. And in my head, the way, one of the issues, the main issues I have with the industry in general is the lack of diversity in the sense of, and how that impacts everything else. I mean, you look at your daily life. I just came back from vacation. My client sent me a check. I'm not going to the bank. I take a picture of that check. It goes into my bank account. Done, right? That's everyday technology that people use. Why do we have to go to a hotel, give your ID, your credit card? Everybody has to do this in order to uh, check in. I checked into my flight on my phone. I don't stop. I can't tell you the last time I've gone to a desk to, uh, to have to check anything in, right? We're all used to doing that on a day-to-day basis. Hotels are notoriously behind the curve on tech and many other things, social media included, because I think that's because of a lack of diversity at the top. And it's not to denigrate, insult anyone, but when you only have the same kind of person making all the decisions, they're gonna look a certain way. You're not gonna be nimble. You're not gonna be thinking forward. The whole industry, in my opinion, needs a shakeup. We need more, we need younger people. We need more women. We need more minorities. We need that boardroom needs to look different to be able to impact things like that. Things like, you know, why does a front desk person have to write a checklist every day? Still, it's 2023. You're manually checking. This is stuff that was going on when I got in the industry in 2000. You know what I mean? These are not things that we need to evolve. And the reason we're not evolving is because those rooms don't look different enough. So, you know, I know it was like a a long way to get to the answer, but to me, it had to start with what I was doing on social media 
because even now I think hotels are behind the curve. They don't understand how impactful that can be to your bottom line by doing things on social media. And the reason for that is because the people who are making these decisions, they're not on social media. They don't have one. So they don't really understand how that works. You need people in that boardroom who are making decisions that are nimble of mind. They don't need to be a certain age, but somebody who's willing to say, hey, you know what? Yeah, this is different. I may not do it, but let me get somebody who knows about it, right? We need to start thinking outside of the box. And again, so I'm almost, I feel like in order for me to be more successful doing things like social media, tech, and all of these companies, let's attack it from the other angle too, right? Let's get more people who understand, who are not in the same age bracket, in the same demographic of the same gender. We need different people in there. So that way we impact the industry from the top and the bottom, if that makes sense. <laughs> if I think about your career and watching you and enjoying your work and appreciating your work, Calvin, over years, what's at first glance, people may not understand how these elements connect, but I think what you just described is a really good summary of that. Yes, the comedy is how tens of thousands of people know you, but thousands of other people know you for your work in revenue strategy, right? As a leader right. within these companies and now as an advisor. So I think, you know, what you're telling me around lack of diversity is holding us back from creativity. It's holding us back from innovation. It's holding yeah. us back from revenue and business performance. You can say that because you've seen it. You've seen yeah. it. You've led revenue for these companies. Yeah. Your partner's an investment banker. You're approaching this from kind of a, a business bottom line perspective, or you're factoring that in as this has really real business outcomes. And I appreciate you saying mm -hmm. that because I think every great business has started to solve a hard problem, right? And yeah. I think you just articulated what that hard problem is. So yeah. could you tell us a little bit about what you're doing at Lighthouse and I guess like how you're helping the industry address this problem? Yeah, absolutely. So again, my partner came to me and he said he has people that are looking to invest in socially conscious projects, women, minority owned businesses, specifically hotels. He just happened to find people that weren't necessarily a fit for where he was, whether that be the size of the project, because a lot of times they're, they're too small. You know, your bigger banks are just not going to answer a question about a five, eight, ten million dollar hotel, right? You know, the analogy I use in the hotel space is, you know, whether whether that group, a lot of times the bigger group is just as much work, if not less, than your smaller group. You know, think about a group that books out your whole hotel. That salesperson may have a few conversations about it, get the contract out, and we're done. Now think about the nine-room nine wedding on the weekend. How many calls are you going to get about that one, right? So, you know, for them, it's not worth opening the doors and, and, and getting lawyers involved in all of this for a $5 million deal. So that's not worth it for them. But we've been able to source people who will deal in that space. So if you're starting out as a hotelier, you're somebody who wants to own a hotel, you're not going to buy the Waldorf, right? That's not where it starts. It starts with a five, eight, ten million dollar smaller brand, maybe even an independent. We find people who will help make that happen. We have found the network of people who will deal in that space. They also are eager because we've all become, I think, more conscious as a society over the past five to seven years for a multitude of different reasons. But I think we've all become aware of the struggles of, of other people because of a lot of things that have happened that were unavoidable for us. I think it's become like, hey, well, 
why are those people being treated that way? Like I can relate to that because I'm X, Y, Z, you know, and my personal experience as a minority working in, in the industry and, and moving up the chain, the higher you go, the less people like me I saw, the less women I saw. I was fortunate enough to have a lot of female bosses. I had a lot of VPs that were female and I've seen what they deal with. I've seen the discrimination, whether intentional or not, you know, things like, you know, my VPs walking into a room, she's ready to present and they're like, oh, will you be taking notes? And I don't even think it's said with intention of insulting. It's just, we've become so accustomed to seeing women in only one role that she must be here and to provide a service to the rest of us. No, she's running the meeting. You know what I mean? And in order for that to change, just need to have more people doing it. I wonder, Calvin, if we could talk a little bit about what it means to be an ally. Hertelier mm-hmm. named you as, as uh, an ally of the month. And I'll link to that interview in the show notes of this episode. I really encourage people to check that out. But for what you've seen in your work, what advice would you have for those listening to be acting in this way and supportive of the change they've described? Yeah, I think we just, you know, any of my, my fellow New Yorkers would know that if you see something, say something, right? It's just about helping everyone. I mean, isn't that what hospitality is all about at the end of the day? Isn't that ultimately what we're all here for, right? It's, I just look at it as without getting too too much into like a larger social conversation. We can go there if you want. It's, uh, you know, this is an unfiltered conversation. So up to you, Got up it. to you. You can go, yeah. go as far as you want. Got it. No filters here. <laughs> Got it. I mean, well, again, as a black male in this country, I can say the Black Lives Matter movement didn't gain the steam that it gained over the past couple of years without the help of people who weren't black, right? Because when it's just the community that's talking about the problem, eventually it just sounds like complaining because nobody can relate to it. But if someone who's not black starts talking about the issue, then you can relate to that person, right? A white male talking to another white male about this issue, all of a sudden it sounds differently. People are more perceptive or receptive, excuse me, to a message from people that look like them. It's take that as as simple as why you have certain, certain spokespeople for different things, right? There's a reason they get those people because they're trying to reach a certain market, right? So it's as simple as that. So if we're constantly talking about our issue and it's just us, it's not going to go anywhere. So in that sense, what I've noticed it, and it's like, well, if women are constantly just talking about their issues in the workplace, it's not going to go anywhere because it's going to take someone to speak to that person in a way that they can relate to. Not that the message is not being said in the, the right way. I can say the exact same thing, but just hearing it for somebody that looks more like you, all of a sudden it's like, wait, yeah, I never thought about it that way. You know? So I hope I articulated that well, but I think we've all got to help each other. I'm a big proponent of that. Until we all have a seat at the table, nobody's got a seat at the table. You know? Mm. And like, I wouldn't want to do what I'm doing and then, okay, well, now minorities, black people who look like me are, are welcome, but women still are. Or, you know, people of a certain gender aren't, or the LGBTQ community isn't. It, like, we've all got to help each other. That's the only way it's going to change. And all of these voices need to be heard. All of these voices need to be represented in those boardrooms. So that way, better decisions are made. 
I mean, I'll tell a, a story that I recently, I, I think that it really, because again, I have a very, I find the humor in just about anything, but it helped really kind of outline what I'm trying to say here. So recently, one of these Major League Baseball teams, they had a a night where they were they're recognizing uh, visually impaired people. So the team came out with the team names and the players' names written in Braille. And it's like, who does that help? They can't see it. <laughs> I mean, it's a nice gesture, but who does that help? It's okay. At a minimum, it's like the people who can't see it will say, okay, well, now at least I'm aware that people who maybe can't really see are into baseball and they, they enjoy the sport like I do. But is that the best we could do, right? What makes that better is you have someone who's visually impaired in part of the decision-making process. And they can say, well, this is a good start, but why don't we have some of our most hardcore visually impaired fans bring them down to the field? The crowd can see them. Maybe they actually touch the uniform so people can see what life looks like for them. Then maybe they get to meet the team or something like that afterwards. But you could, it's a start, but it's like we can do so much more. And until I think what happens now is people who are outside of the community make decisions based on what they think that community wants, as opposed to just getting them in the room and making sure they get what they want. That's a great example. I appreciate you sharing that because I think that could happen in sports. It can certainly happen in hospitality. And I think there's this opportunity to bring people in that you claim to be helping. Let's get people involved, right? Right. I wonder if we could talk a little bit, Calvin, around, I'm curious, I'm excited by the change and the opportunity that you've described early in our conversation. I think with any sort of change, I always love to see where do you start to see the change happening, just to give Mm -hmm. people a little sense of what does this look like? And I'm curious if any people or projects or organizations come to mind where you start to see this in play. And I don't know if this would be an individual investor or Mm -hmm. somebody wanting to get in. It could be anybody or anything, but I'm curious where you start to see this happening that you're excited by. Yeah, well, I can say just in, you know, attending conferences in many different capacities over the years, you start to see more more diversity on the panels, more diversity of content, more diversity of topics in these breakout sessions. People are talking about different things. When we went to Hunter this past March, there was a whole panel. The first panel of the entire conference was about women leadership, women hotel ownership and investment, right? You start to see that. I don't know if you would have seen that three or four years ago, right? So you start to see more of these type of things. We work with uh, Tracy Prigmore, who runs um, She Has a Deal, which is a Shark Tank style competition for women hotel owners. And we're working with her. We're actually actively looking to help her with some investments. But I mean, a program like that is awesome. You know, I'm not even sure Tracy understands how big that is. You know, literally everyone that we speak to about what we do, they're like, hey, you got to talk to Tracy. Do you know Tracy? And it's like, that's huge. You know, and I mean, it all starts somewhere. And we've spoken to anybody from college kids with the dream to people who have worked in the industry and now are looking to own as opposed to just being an employee. But you do start to see a lot more of these things everywhere, all these different conferences. Now there's a lot more representation for these types of uh, initiatives. It's exciting to see that. I'm going to ask you a bit of a big, broad question. It's a little tough because there's such a span of listeners. But my question for you is, 
if someone wants to move toward a path of eventually being a hotel owner, mm -hmm. maybe let's just for this example, say they're working, you know, for a brand or a management company, mm -hmm. but they, as you mentioned, you know, want to get toward a path of having equity, right? And being an owner or being an investor, right? What would be some skills or, or things that they can do now to prepare themselves for that? Yeah, I mean, I would say educate yourself as much as possible in the building. You know, what's so great about this industry is I don't know that there's any aspect of business that isn't covered in hospitality in one way, shape or form. You've got everything from finance to real estate to investment. Every hotel is an owner. You know what I mean? There's so many different things that it's such a broad industry. But if you're at a hotel, you're at a company now, and you think that this is something you want to get invested in down the road, learn accounting. You're going to have to count your money, right? And you definitely don't want to just completely leave it to somebody else to count it because, you know, you might not get all these you're supposed to get. You know, nobody can be an expert in everything, but have start to just get invested in those things. You know, go to the, the P&L meetings, understand how to read one, understand what that is. Revenue management, of course. You're going to need to sales. You're going to need to do all of these things for your hotel or hire people that can do it. And then you won't be able to assess their skill unless you kind of understand what they're supposed to be doing. You know, there's so many investment conferences as well now. You know, get, get to as many of those as possible. A lot of that information is online as well. But just kind of get out there, understand as much about the, the different aspects of the business as possible. Because, again, as somebody who's been in this industry 20 years, the biggest issue I think we have is is training. We don't train people well enough to understand all the aspects, even of just their one building. You know, I appreciate that, Kellen, because I honestly I struggle a little bit with it because I had no background in real estate. But I'm mm -hmm. hearing people like yourself talk about you know kind of this is a way to you know not only participate as an employee but eventually be an owner. But I struggle on this show a little bit because I, you know, it's not investment advice. I'm not trying to get anybody in. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying like, oh, right. put all your money over in this investment. But I, I'm more trying to help people get educated around at least know what your options are. And it mm -hmm. could be interesting, but you need to, as you pointed out, have the knowledge to just be fluent in this so that you can, you know, talk to your financial advisor and, and make a smart decision. But you know, you do see a lot of people that, you know, get involved in investment or development and own hotels, and they do really well for themselves and their families. And so it's, I think it all starts with education, right? And yeah, preparing yourself. It's just getting out there. I mean, I'll tell you, I don't know much about investments. It's not something that I ever really thought about, even as long as I've been in the industry and, you know, in and around it, never thought, hey, I'm going to own a hotel one day. Just just wasn't really something that crossed my mind. I can tell you now when my investment partner and, you know, the other capital people, when they start talking, I have no idea what's going on. I don't have a clue. I'm the hotel guy, right? I'm the hospitality arm of this thing. I have no idea what they're talking about. Now I know how people feel when we start talking about ADR and RefPAR and RGI. It's like you literally start getting a headache trying to keep up. It's the same thing. But, you know, I'm in the room and when I, anything I don't understand, I Google. Or I'll just ask a question afterwards because, you know, you can't be afraid to look stupid. You know, that's how you learn. It's all about that learner's mindset, right? Yeah. So just being in, in the room. And I think for me, it also shows the importance of partnerships and the people that you're working with and your partner's investment banker. And, and you know, you're bringing all these hospitality and operational and revenue knowledge. And, you know, that's how you make a great team, right? Yeah. And I wonder for folks that want to learn more about you, your business, where would you point them to? 
Well, I, LinkedIn is the best place. You know, follow me on LinkedIn. Our website for Lighthouse is lighthousehospitality.co. You can find out a little bit about the company, some background on myself, my partner, and what makes us different to any other company that I've seen out there is we're going to help you from start to finish. So we'll help you source the capital, finance the project. But unlike a bank that would just say at that point, okay, peace out. <laughs> we'll reach out for our money next month. Run the hotel. You want to run a hotel, run it. You have me, you have someone who has 20 years experience in marketing, revenue management that can help you be successful running your hotel. So we want to ensure your success. Again, we're, there's a deeper mission behind what we're doing here. It's not, not just about, hey, let me get a paycheck. We want to change the landscape. We want to change what hospitality looks like. We have every reason to want to see you succeed at the hotel, make sure your hotel's successful. So if that means I'm coming and helping you with your budgets, then that's what I'm doing. We're going to make sure that that you know how to do it and that you're you're going to be as successful as you possibly can be. Before we go, I want to let you know about a few more things. First, if you haven't done so already, subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite app to stay inspired each day by actionable insights from the most interesting people in hospitality. Second, I've started sharing videos and photos from the stories on this show on Instagram and YouTube, so if you'd like to see those or watch along, I encourage you to follow Hospitality Daily there so we can stay in touch. Third, if you'd like to listen to more conversations like the one you just heard, visit this podcast website at podcast.hospitalitydaily.com. I've spent a lot of time building out this website because I want to make it really easy for you to listen to the topics and guests that you are interested in, whether that's culture and leadership or operations or technology or something else. Browse and search the entire library of more than 400 episodes for some of the top leaders and innovators in hospitality at podcast.hospitalitydaily.com. Dot com to get ideas for delighting the people around you and reaching your business and career goals. I produce this podcast each day and give it away for free because I want us all to learn and grow together. If you enjoyed today's episode, I just have one favor to ask. Please take a moment to text or email this episode to a friend or colleague who might appreciate it as well. They'll be grateful to hear from you and what we covered in the show can help them as I hope it helped you today. Thanks for listening and I'll see you here tomorrow. 